I'd like to welcome all of you who are worshiping with us this day online. It is good to be together across time and space and place to worship our God and our Lord and Savior in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us begin our worship in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by Christ's authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And let us pray. O God, overflowing with mercy and compassion, you lead back to yourself all those who go astray. Preserve your people in your loving care that we may reject whatever is contrary to you and may follow all things that sustain our life in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Our first reading today is from Exodus, the 32nd chapter. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once. Your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen these these people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone, so that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. And of you I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, It was with evil intent that Moses brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce wrath and change your mind and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, and how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, 
I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven, and all this land I have promised I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed the Lord's mind about the disaster that God had planned to bring on God's people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And this is the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or, what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost." Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Dear siblings, I would like to suggest, and it is my experience to be true, that we live in a country that is hyper-focused on individuals and individualism. And I am specifying this country because, one, there is significant research that points to this, and two, I have not spent any significant time in other countries and am therefore not qualified to speak about their relationships with individuals and individualism. This focus on individualism in our country starts when we are very young. We ask young people all of the time, What do you want to be when you grow up? Or, others of us were told and have been told, you need to get a good job so you can provide for yourself. Or, others of us have been told or were told, this is what it looks like and this is what it means for you to be a good wife. Or this is what it looks like for you to be a good mother. Or this is what it looks like for you to be a good parent. And as more and more people have acquired post-secondary degrees, we're told you need to get good grades so you can get into a good college, so you can get a good job. Or for those of you who have played sports, you need to do well in your sport so you can get a full ride to college. And in the workplace, it's you need to keep climbing that ladder. We use and hear this word you over and over again. And while there are certainly good intentions in asking someone, What do you want to be when you grow up? Or somebody encouraging you to be the best that you can be. Getting caught up 
in that word, you. And in that individualism is not all that it's cracked up to be. And I believe that at varying levels, all of us know this. We see the detriments of getting caught up in individualism when somebody retires and all of a sudden they have no idea who they are outside of that job. They spent their whole life being told, you get those good grades so you can get that good job, so you can provide, and now they're totally lost. We see the detriments of individualism when someone becomes an empty nester and they don't know who they are because everything was wrapped up in you need to be a good spouse and you need to be a good parent. And we see the detriment of individualism when young people can no longer take the pressure of being told you need the best grades and or you need to be the best in your sport and then they die by suicide. This individualism creates a lot of pressure and it creates a deep sense of loneliness and a feeling that no one else could possibly understand what we are going through and that everything somehow rides on us alone. So, what does all of this have to do with our story from Luke today about lost sheep and finding the lost coin? Well, in our stories from Jesus of lost sheep and missing coins, Jesus invites us out of the world of individualism and pressure and loneliness and into a world of connectedness, rejoicing, and community. We are invited out of our individualism, that scarcity mindset that that convinces us that if somebody else has something, it means less of that thing for me. And instead, we are invited into a communal abundance mindset that trusts that there is more than enough for everyone. The world longs to convince us that we are permanently the lost sheep. We are permanently the lost coin. And not only are we lost, but nobody is coming to search for us. We are permanently alone and lonely and suffering on our own. But Jesus says different. Jesus promises different. Jesus is saying, I have already found you. I have already brought you home and you are not alone and you will never be alone. And friends, when we really begin to trust that we are not alone, so many things in our life change because of the freedom Jesus gives us of promising that we are not alone and never will be again. We begin to think in terms of we and not me The pressure that everything lives and dies by what we do or do not accomplish is gone because we know that burden is shared. We are able to love others and the world God made ever so deeply because we know that there is more than enough for all. We don't have to be afraid because we are not alone. And when you feel alone, because this will sometimes still happen, Jesus invites us to look to his life, death, and resurrection. 
Jesus lived his life in community, bringing the kingdom of God near and showing us what love and caring for each other looks like. Jesus died alone on the cross. And because of this in both life and in death, you are not alone because Christ has gone through it all and will be with you through it all. And Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, rose and proved that the isolation of death was not strong enough to keep God from God's people. And the isolation death brought, in fact, no longer exists. And we are given the gifts of each other, of community, of relationships to remind us of this every day. My dear siblings in Christ, look around you and rejoice. Rejoice that not, uh, not, rejoice that not only Christ searched for you and found you, but rejoice even more that Christ has searched for and found everyone here around you and has given us the gift of community and relationship with each other. Rejoice that God and Jesus Christ has placed us in community, not only with each other and other humans across the country and across the globe, but indeed the whole world around us. And rejoice that God's work in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, and rejoice that God's work in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit of bringing together all of the cosmos, of finding every last sheep And every last coin is always ongoing and will be made complete when Jesus returns. We are never alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. And we will hear now the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And as always, I encourage you to sing along as you are able.
With the whole church, let us confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now may Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless you now and forever. Amen. And we go in peace to share the good news. Thanks be to God.